Yo, what's up? This is Patrick, and this is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Now, we have finally seen the Warriors play a home game, and they did not look very good against uh, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Let's just say maybe it was a bit of a, a New Year's hangover for one team. Interesting, because it was Draymond's first game, and I think it's fair to say that it's going to take some time to work him in with the other players just as much as it's still taking time to work in the other players playing with Steph. I didn't see too much of an impact uh, from Draymond in this game. I guess still it is early. One thing I totally, totally, totally forgot about the Blazers coming into town was that Damian Lillard, even though the Warriors have moved to San Francisco, Damian Lillard always, always plays well, or at least always gets up for playing in the Bay. And also the Blazers, you know, they have a little bit of an incentive to beat the Warriors. The Warriors have taken it to them over the years in the playoffs. And although this is not the same Warriors team, the Blazers can look over at the other sideline and see Steve Kerr, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, the whole front office just sitting there. And plus, the Blazers bring back a team that's pretty intact from last season, and they've played together for a while, so that's also a hugely distinct advantage. And it was interesting seeing the Warriors play in Chase Center for the first time. It looked like they gussied it up since preseason with the fan screens and the banners hanging behind one of the baskets. But then I don't know if other front offices or organizations do this, but on the side opposite of the player's sideline, the Warriors execs look like they're just sitting there in their suits watching. And to be honest, for a team that is not playing well, that's got to be a little nerve wracking, especially for someone like maybe Kelly Oubre, who is pressing and still hasn't hit more than one three-pointer uh, this season. So I can imagine him like taking a three-pointer in front of Joe Lacob and being a little self-conscious of the fact that the guy who's paying him uh, and who's overpaying into the tax to have him on the team is watching him clank all these shots. Maybe, maybe not. James Wiseman, he's definitely making his rookie mistakes. He seems to uh, settle for jump shots. Maybe, maybe it'd be nice to see if he could take someone off the dribble. He's not hitting his jump shots as consistently as he was in the first few games. Changing it up would be good. He's still kind of learning defense. There were some times where it was pretty clear that he was a step slow or out of position to make a play. And, uh, you know, he's learning. It's it's tough out there. That behind-the-back dribble on the one-man fast break, that would have been an amazing highlight. I was impressed that he was able to do that. But, uh, you know, it ended up in a charge, and that's fine and all. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just another hint of what he can do, what he wants to do, what he's able to learn, and what he's his skill set in general. Kent Bazemore finally played. I had a feeling that he wasn't playing because the coaching staff in front office wanted to see Jordan Poole as much as possible to be sure that they wanted to pick up his option. And after they did, yeah, like I figured you would see more of Kent Bazemore and less Jordan Poole. And Poole only played like three minutes. 
on that note, um, I think Poole is somebody who, I mean, for all the talk of him being one of the hardest working players over the summer, I guess I don't deny that, but he hasn't really shown too much on the court. I kind of think of him as like the Jacob Evans, but more on the offensive side. Like Jacob Evans, I guess, was supposed to be a pretty decent defensive player and Jordan Poole is supposed to be a pretty decent offensive player. So that's kind of where I draw this analogy. I do think that Jordan Poole, he's one of those guys that needs to get reps a lot in games to really show what he can do. And I don't doubt that he has an NBA future as opposed to Jacob Evans, who really doesn't. But, uh, you know, Poole just needs the game time to really get comfortable, you know. And since he's probably not in, like, the rotation, per se, like he'll play when they need him to plug in for somebody else, it'll be interesting to see uh, how his game develops and how his playing time evolves during the season. Uh, On that note, my friend Chong, he wanted me to point out that he is one of the few people, maybe the only person amongst uh, folks he knows, that is uh, buying on uh, Jordan Poole Island. Uh, Pool Island is his happy place. He is a believer. He's he's buying on the cheap. It could be a good investment. We shall see. Eric Pascal was looking decent. He looks more comfortable playing that small ball center. I mean, he likes playing bully ball, and he's a he's a thick dude. He's not the tallest, but I mean, that's kind of the trend, and and uh, he can definitely beat bigger dudes down the court. Uh, I'm sure we'll see uh, points in time where he might be overmatched, but. In lieu of picking up another free agent center and spending more money on somebody, he might be a pretty good option, you know? So that puts the center depth chart like James Wiseman, Kavon Looney, Eric Paschal, and Draymond Green. I put Draymond Green last because I'm sure they want to limit his minutes at center uh, more than they have in the past and uh, only implement him when it really matters. Andrew Wiggins kind of reverted to being Andrew Wiggins. A couple up games. And then a down game. Really not too much to say on that. I mean, everybody played poorly. Maple Jordan, he wasn't like worse than everybody else, but he wasn't better than anyone else either. Like I said, in the preseason, when you look at the second unit, he needs to be more than just a guy. Like when you look at him out there, he's just a dude. He's just another guy on the court like everybody else. But what you need him to be is the main scorer, the assertive guy, the guy who I guess in this offense drives and kicks and can facilitate and create looks for other people and be the focal point of the offense. The person that when they need a basket, they can go to him and they trust that he can make something happen. And he just doesn't feel like that at this point. I hope he will. But um, again, it's, it's a, it's a question of uh, getting into that flow and really making his presence felt on a consistent basis. You're listening to the Oakland Warriors podcast. Do you know Oakland Warriors is a website too? Oaklandwarriors.com offers a collection of Warriors t-shirts that are comfy, classy, and cool. Fit for a real Warriors fan like you. Forget basic tees and boring designs. With Oakland Warriors, you can show your team pride with those in the know. I have a shirt from oaklandwarriors.com. It's comfy and soft, and it reps the dubs in a low-key but fun way. Don't believe me? Check out oaklandwarriors.com and use the code PODCAST at checkout for a 10% discount. 
it seems like everyone was hitting the front rim and their shots were just short. Uh, I, I have no explanation for that, except maybe people partied too hard, but I really doubt that because there were no parties to go to during this pandemic. And uh, oh, unless you're James Harden, they just didn't look super cohesive at all. They looked really discombobulated and a step slower than the Blazers the whole time. I keep preaching that even if the team is losing, what you want is hope. What you want is progress. Yes, in general, we do have hope. But in this game, you didn't really see too much progress per se. So it was kind of like a bit of a letdown, you know. No one looked, quote unquote, better than the previous game. I mean, Pascal looked all right. But you didn't really see much progress. They actually regressed a little bit after playing two nationally televised games against the Eastern Conference favorites and then two games against two of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. This Portland game was supposedly going to be a bit more of a truthful barometer of where the Warriors are at. I don't know. Is is this it? You know, were they going up against a motivated Portland team? Were they going up against a motivated Dame? Were they going up against a team that is just way more of a real team at this point? That's the great thing about uh, these local back-to-back type games. I mean, the Warriors, they play the Blazers in San Francisco again on Sunday. And if they get blown out by 20, 30 points again, that's that's going to be really, really rough. Uh, hopefully, it's far more competitive. Hopefully, they can show signs of adjustments and the players can pick it up a little bit and not get into a funk, you know? I mean, I think that's what you're always fighting against. Because, yes, there will be more familiarity. There will be more smoothness on offense and defense eventually. But there are no more saviors coming, right? Draymond is back, and he'll get worked into the team. But there's no one else that the Warriors are waiting on to save them. So this is it, right? I'm not saying they can't rise to the challenge, but right now they are not looking like a playoff team, even though I felt personally that without Clay, they were still a four to six seed. All things being equal, obviously, like you don't want to give up on the team by no stretch of the imagination. And you want to see how everything starts working 20 to 30 games in, right? And this game was one you just have to, I don't know, just forget about. But the fact that the Warriors cannot shoot is going to be a problem. That is what's going to limit them. No matter how much, quote unquote, better or how much more cohesive they get in terms of passing and being on a defensive string, it's really going to come down to who else is going to hit shots when it matters. And ultimately, that will be their downfall. Like they could play a team straight up and it could be a battle. But ultimately, when the law of averages plays out, the Warriors, as they are now, they're just not going to hit shots when it counts. I'm not saying that's true for the whole season, but like, you know, if if they were to make the playoffs, ultimately, they're just a team that is not going to be able to score enough points, hit enough clutch shots when it really matters. Like, who's going to do that? They're going to be trading twos for threes because they can't hit anything from three-point land. I personally want to know, like, we know that Ubre is, like, one for 
30 or whatever from three point land, but how's he looking in practice? You know, like, is he drilling everything in practice? Is he clanking everything in practice? Like, is it one of those things that, okay, his mechanics look fine. Everything looks fine in practice. But then once he gets into a game, it's, it's over. He's, he's just, something's off and he's not hitting things. Right. Cause if he's not hitting in practice, then maybe there's something with his shooting motion. But if he's hitting in practice and not hitting in games, I mean, that's probably more up in his head, right? That would be an interesting tidbit. And I don't think I've heard or read anything about that. It'd be really, really fascinating to me to find out how he's looking in practice, how he's going about his shooting drills, etc. That'll go a long way in telling us like where he's at and if and when he's going to snap out of this really historically ridiculous cold streak to open the season. So we'll see how they play on Sunday. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the game is at least closer and that they come back with a little bit more fight in them, as, uh, as people say, more dog in them, and we'll go from there. All right, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and Give me a shout on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O. And I will check you out on the other side. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs.